Hello and welcome back to another Villa on Tour podcast. I'm your host, Max Stokes, as ever, joined by Simon Line. Simon, you caught your breath on the weekend yet, mate? Yeah, I have. You know what? It was um uh, it was it was brilliant, wasn't it? I said to you yesterday morning, like for a home game against Crystal Palace, which you usually deemed to be a little bit boring, a little bit mundane, but I was proper pumped for it yesterday. I was really, really up for it. So with how the game panned out as well, yeah, it was just, I, I absolutely loved it. Yeah, it was brilliant. Yeah, an unbelievable day at Villa Park and I was the same. I went out on Friday and I was sort of saying to my girlfriend just before I went out on the Saturday, like, not really feeling it today. Like, I'm not really feeling up to going like, or anything like that. But I tell you what, whenever I say things like that and I'm not too fussed about going, I said to her as well, I was like, we'll score a last minute winner or something today. Something will happen just because I'm not too fussed and boy, it panned out to be something similar. Absolutely unbelievable. You haven't already checked out the uh, video from the game on the Villa on Tour YouTube channel, please go and do that. It was quite frankly absolutely ridiculous last 10 minutes to the game. Um, and that came across from where we were in the whole end. It was absolutely ridiculous. If you haven't already checked out the video, please go and do that. And if you do want to enjoy this podcast as well, please do leave a review, whether you're listening on Spotify, Apple, whatever it is, it really does help us out. So please do that as well. I do want to pick your brains about a couple of things. Now, I saw my old man said tweet uh, before the game about the Holt suite saying the whole end is closed because it's being converted into match day hospitality and I know there was a meeting um, yesterday like a fans consultation meeting between people and Chris Heck and all of his sort of guys at the top and uh, it's proved that I mean there's been a lot of talk in the last couple of weeks anyway about what Villa are like off the pitch I know we're great on the pitch whatever but it's off the pitch that's letting us down and the Holt suite is an example of where that's happening I mean people I've never I never really go in the Holt suite it's not my ritual but I know for a lot of fans who go to Villa Park it is part of their match day ritual and for the club to just close it and not tell us why they're being all secretive about it there's been no communication about it which I could probably guess why it's a bit bizarre and it's not a good look is it no, it's not, but I'm not surprised in the slightest, if I'm being honest. I think the club have, have clearly embarked, especially this summer, upon um, ways to increase revenue. And so, as we all know, hospitality is a big way of doing that. Um, and, and we've seen that with the Terrace View. Uh, we've seen what they've done to the other seats in the Trinity Road stand. What is it? What are they called? The is it 1874 or something like that. Yeah. Um, and so if you're looking at Villa Park, um, you're looking at the other spaces, the whole the whole suite's a massive place where you get quite a lot of people into in into that space. And so um if you know Villa are looking at maximizing revenue, I'm not I'm not surprised in the slightest if I'm being honest. And I don't like I really, really don't like it. I think it's I think it's ridiculous. I, I think it goes against everything that the club have been trying to say. They've been trying to say that they want to encourage supporters to get to Villa Park earlier, encourage supporters to stick around at Villa Park after the game, to spend money and to, you know, and to, and to sort of ease that uh, pressure on, on on the transport infrastructure after the games, uh, mainly. And yet, it's totally going against it, isn't it? Because normal normal match-going fans like ourselves won't... I'm running out of places to go around Villa Park because... what. What are we going to be left with? We're going to be left with a Holt pub, which about 200 people can go in at a very, very maximum. And that's if they don't turn that into something corporate. Um, and then you've got the outdoor space around by the Trinity Road stand, which you're just standing outside, essentially. So I do wonder, I, do, I, just, think the two, I just think the two things are, are really con- contradictory. When you're talking about, you know, we've sold season tickets um, and you've given one of the benefits to be access to the Holt suite. Um, for that to be taken away, what, only a couple of months later. I, I find it ridiculous, but I think when it was quiet, I think when it was all quiet and the club were being secretive about it and we were being told there's building work going on in the Holt Suite, I think that's when I thought, well, what's going on then? Because the Holt Suite is absolutely fine. I, I've, I've been in the Holt Suite many times over the last couple of years or so and um, it's been renovated fairly recently. There's no, There was no need to do any renovations in there. And so when I heard that, I thought, mm, yeah, I think this is turning... Turning, turning corporate as well. So it's a, oh, it's a shame, but this is. It seems like this is where the club are club are heading on it, on on it. But I think I think the one I think the one major criticism for me, and I think this probably will come out in the minutes of the meeting. I've seen a few comments from the consultation group yesterday. Is that the club have got to get better at the communication? If, they, if this is what they want, to, if this is what they want to do, if this is what the club have decided to do, we we can't stop that. But please communicate it with us because at the moment we're just left in the dark, aren't we? About all these sort of off-field decisions and 
And it's just a shame. It really is. Yeah, I mean, they can do all of these things that they said they're going to do, but I think you're right. It is absolutely about the communication. I mean, I was speaking to David because I know he's the only one that I regularly talk to that, that goes to these meetings. And I said, please, can you talk to them about the safe standard? And he said, yeah, that's on the agenda. So I'll be interested to see what David's comms are from the meeting because, again, we've talked about it previously about the safe standing situation. I sit at the back of the upper hole. That's where they said there was going to be safe standing sort of a couple of months before the season started. I got an email saying, are you happy to be in a safe standing seat? All this sort of jazz and then turns up the first game of the season absolutely nowhere to be seen and if that again if they told me about communication if they told me that's absolutely fine but again it's all quiet and I saw fans in the week saying um on Twitter uh, like talking to the club saying is the whole suite going to be open all this and they just said no it's going to be closed for further notice with without sort of mm, telling us yeah. why or if it's going to be open and it's it's not a good look is it like you said no. it's about that communication and we're not getting that and it's the most frustrating thing in the world so yeah, it's, it's, it's not a great look. And a couple of other things that have gone on um, around Villa Park and the surrounding area this week is the uh, sort of graphic, would you say, on the on the ticket office and the shop. And I think there's a bit around where the players sort of enter the stadium as well. There's a sort of banner there as well. Um, it's all sort of along the same sort of lines of the giant is awake and that sort of line. I'm not sure what I make of that, where that's really come from. It was on the big screens as well before the game. I saw Villa put that on Twitter. So... I don't really know where that's come from. Is it from the the famous line when we got promoted, the fallen giants are back on their feet? Is it related to that? I just think it's a bit out of nowhere, a little bit strange. I mean, it's not a major thing, I know, but yeah, an interesting one. Yeah, I I mean, I'm not bothered about that. I mean, the clubs come out with... Clubs come out with weird slogans all the time, don't they? I, I know you said like the whole part of the pride slogan or what was the one? Part of the park or something once or something weird like that. I don't know. It's all these all these weird <laughs> slogans. I don't really care to be totally honest with you. I mean, they've wrapped the, the ticket office building in it and the only way I can describe that is like how do you polish a turd kind of thing because that because that that building is horrific. So, you know, it's just gonna be constantly wrapped until they until they knock it down. In terms of the slogan, I don't really care to be honest. I think they're trying to say that for yeah, the fallen giants aren't they? You know, we've been a sleeping giant for ages and now we're back sort of thing. Now we're back in the big time, now we're back amongst the big boys, mixing it with the big boys. I think that's what they're trying to say. Some people think that's a bit cocker. I don't really care, to be totally honest with you. I know you absolutely hate slogans. Is it the Liverpool one, you know, yeah, on the side of their bus? Yeah. I mean, you've, you've, you've spoken about the, that before, about how much you doesn't hate even, that, which always makes doesn't sense. doesn't even make sense, though. That's why. That's why it annoys me. It's like, <laughs> if, any, if anyone, no one knows what it, what it is. What is it? It's that this is this is Liverpool. It, it means more or something. And it's like... Yeah, this means more or something. That was, no, like that. That was it. We are Liverpool. This means more. And I'm just a bit like... What does that even mean? What means what means a, <laughs> a what means more? And B, how do you know it means more? I don't know what that means. Like what that means more than what I I, like, I feel about my club. Is that what you're trying to say? Like what are you talking about? So yeah, slogans, nah, I'm not I'm not I'm not for it. So yeah, Villa can do whatever slogan they want. I think they're all just stupid to be honest, but there we go. <laughs> I didn't expect to be talking about Liverpool's weird slogan on this podcast, but here we are. Um, we'll get into the Palace game then. Team news was quite interesting, wasn't it? I mean, we were speaking sort of the week before in Dublin. I remember talking about what we'd do in the Palace game and a lot of talk about Zaniolo coming in. I really like that. I think that's fair. I think obviously moving Cash back to right back. Uh, Diego Carlos was injured before this game, which is fair enough. Move Conza back to Pau Torres. Uh, next to Pau Torres, sorry, Cash moving back, like I said. Zaniolo coming in. What did you make of him? I thought he was lively in that first half. I had a couple of moments. I think, I mean, I'm jumping forward a little bit here, but that uh, move on the left-hand side, uh, ball into cash where it was on his left foot. He probably should have done a, a little bit better. But I thought for his first game at Villa Park, his debut at, at Villa Park, I thought he did. He was decent. He was lively. And I think he's a, a good option to have, definitely. I, I like him because he's, he's so unique, really. We haven't got anybody like that. You know, he's a sort of like a number 10. He plays in that sort of attacking final third. And, um, but he's so different. He's, he's a big lad. He can hold the ball up really well. He, can, he puts his foot in. He's not afraid to to make a challenge. And then he's clearly got that you know that sort of skill set where you know he likes a bit of a flick, doesn't he? And that bit of skill he did to to set cash up for what should have been at least a shot on target um, was was really really good. And I think he I think he was trying to impress. I think he uh, there was a couple of moments when he lost possession of the ball. But I think overall it was a really positive sort of debut. And I, I look at him and I think he's going to excite the supporters. I think he's going to be a player that supporters can get on side with. And I think the bit about losing possession of the ball, I think that'll come. I think he'll get that sort of coached into him by Emery, as 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 Emery's done with a lot of the players. And so, yeah, I, I, I like him. I think he um, I think he offers something very different. Um, which is key. I mean, over the years, we've had players of the same ilk all the time, haven't we? We've not really had that many unique mm. players, but he had something different. And the one thing I would say about him as well, to be fair to him yesterday, 
Um, he wasn't playing in his sort of favourite position. That left-hand side is not really his, his favourite position. He was talking the other night after the Italy game, and he was saying he prefers to play on the right on, on the right-hand side. Um, and so it was it was different. He, he, he put him, Emery put him there because he wanted to get John McGinn back over onto the right-hand side, which yeah. is understandable. So I thought it was a positive debut. I really do. I thought it. Yeah, I thought he showed some some real promise, and I think he'll be. Uh, I think he'll be a, a really important player for us going forward. Yeah, it'd be interesting to see if he does play on that left-hand side sort of a little bit more going forward. But again, I think it was nice to see John McGinn more on that sort of right-hand side where he fits in. I thought Cash had a lot of space in that first half, didn't he? he really did, and I thought Zaniolo got. I wouldn't say marked up the game, but as soon as he got the ball, you had sort of. Corey, Joel Ward, who was playing right back for Palace all over him. So it, it, it was difficult, but I think he saw a lot of the ball in that first half and he did well, whereas Cash was given sort of that license to go forward and he was given a little bit more space on the right-hand side. So you give sort of Zaniolo that space that Cash had and he, he's probably going to be a little bit more deadly. I think in that first half, we played decent stuff, didn't we? I think sort of as the half went on, you're sort of thinking, is it going to be one of them games? I think Watkins had that one-on-one, didn't he? Which, I mean, he's got to do better there. I mean, it's an absolute gift from a Crystal Palace point of view. He's got to do better and put it away. But I think in that first half, it wasn't perfect, but I think it was encouraging, wasn't it? Especially going into half-time. Like, it was decent, created a couple of chances. Cash had a couple, didn't he? Especially mm. that header um, that was similar to the one he had at Liverpool, actually, wasn't it? Where he, he should have done better with that one as well. Just thought half-time, it was like, once we get this first one, the floodgates probably open a little bit. I know it didn't turn out that way, but it was just a matter of time, really, wasn't it? Yeah, do you know what? I thought first half was really, really good from us. I thought it was really, really controlled. We 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 held so much of the possession. We we didn't give Palace anything really. I mean, we kept Eze quiet, who I think he's a an absolute he's an absolute brilliant footballer, and I thought we kept mm. him really, really quiet. We didn't give up any chances whatsoever. We were solid. Um, and then we created three or four really quality chances. I mean, you talk about the Ollie Watkins. He had the one when it rolled over his foot when who played him in. Was it Dean or was it Torres? One of them played play, play, played him through when, he, when it rolled over his foot and that was another chance. We had the couple where it's flashed across the box as well where we really we really could have done better with. And then we had and then we had Cash's two as well. I mean, Cash, Cash's one was... You know, it was he just totally miskicked it, didn't he? he? Didn't even get anything on it, and that was a and that was a real chance. And so, I think, it, yeah, it felt like one. It felt like it was going to be one of them games. Definitely, definitely one of them halves where we went into halftime thinking, "How on earth aren't Villa winning here?" Um, so we were the sort of a master's of our own downfall a little bit, I suppose, because we couldn't finish it off. But that happens in football sometimes, doesn't it? I mean, we've been we've we've not had many of them under Emery, have we? Where you know where where we haven't been putting chances away. It was it felt like one of them games, um, and so at half time at nil nil, you were sort of scratching your head, thinking how how weren't Villa winning? But I think also I think you look at Villa's performance in that first half, and you think they did well because I thought Crystal Palace, to be fair to them, came with a, with a really good game plan. I thought they set up to yeah. to frustrate Villa, and you know I think for Villa to create the amount of chances we did in the first half was a credit to them. It was just a just a shame we couldn't put them away because I think if we had done, if it was. If, if we'd have gone in 2 at the break, it's sort of game over, isn't it, essentially? And so, on another day, it would have been. Um, but yeah, first half performance, I thought, I thought was excellent, to be honest. Yeah, and let's not forget that Crystal Palace have started the season very well. I'm a big fan of Anderson, the centre-back. Obviously, yeah, they had uh, the youngster Richards playing alongside him, didn't they? So, I think they're a strong side. Obviously, I know Roy Hodgson wasn't there yesterday, but I think he likes to set them up in sort of a little bit of a resolute, sort of pragmatic way. They're not a free-flowing side, which I think going forward especially probably doesn't suit as much as it could the likes of SA but especially defensively they're, they're a decent side and I mean we glossed over the offside goal as well there which was one of the only times we sort mm. of got over the top of Crystal Palace wasn't it and Diaby's just offside isn't yeah. he I mean it's very very close it's unfortunate as well because Pau Torres is doing the typical Pau Torres thing isn't he that ball over the top it's absolutely spot on Diaby's first touch is spot on as well and he rolls it into that bottom corner it's such a shame isn't it because it was a really really nice goal yeah do you know Diaby's just class isn't it like you look you saw him like take that ball down just so calmly that the, the touch deserved a goal alone uh, essentially it was mm. that good and then just his finish as well it was it was kind of like you it was kind of like as he took it down you knew it was going to go in the back of the net um, so I was gutted when that one got ruled out. I mean, I, I did kind of think it was it, it was offside as as the move was playing out. To be honest, I did. Um, so I wasn't surprised when it got ruled out. But yeah, he's some player, DRB, isn't he? He just finds those pockets of space, and he's so like he's quite direct, isn't he? Really, like he's not he's not one of them players that does like many like fancy flicks, or like he's not one of them mm-hmm. players that's gonna you know sort of. You know, yeah, sort of fancy flicks, fancy footwork in the build up to a goal. He's he's very direct, isn't he? Like he knows exactly what he wants to do, and he goes and does it. I just think he's a he's a top top player when you watch him. Like he's a top player, and as you said, that distribution from Torres as well, which is exactly why 
why why Emery brought him in and um yeah, I thought his distribution yesterday was top notch and yeah, just that one lofted lofted ball over the top really, wasn't it? And uh yeah, it was a shame really because it, it would have gone down as like a real, real top, top class goal that would have. Yeah, that's exactly what you want from Torres. And it was sort of similar to the um, Duran goal against Hibs, mm. wasn't it? Sort of Torres picking up the same sort of position on that left hand side, sort of drifting into midfield and finding an unbelievable pass. And you're right on Diaby. He just oozes class, he oozes quality. He's going to get some serious numbers this season. Mm. He really is because he's, he's just a different level, isn't he? I think at half time, like I was saying, it was one of them games. And then you go into the second half, you want to start strong, attacking the whole end. Didn't quite pan out that way. Torres, we were just bigging him up there. But I think he gets, I don't know if he gets done a little bit easy, but he gets outpaced by Mateta, who's a big bloke. Like, he's absolutely huge and he's going to be hard to get the ball off, but gets outpaced. And then uh, Edward's in an acre of space, isn't he? Consa sort of lost him. Just feels like a little bit of a soft goal, a bit of a weak goal to concede. And to top it off, that Martinez slip, uh, slip doesn't help anyone, does it? It's a, it's, it's a bad goal, really. Yeah, I think I think Torres has, has, has been given a fair bit of stick about this goal. And um, and for me, I think he did one thing wrong on this goal. He, he, he was too tight. He was, too, he, he was far too tight. Um, and, um, and that's something that he'll learn going forward. You can't be that tight in the Premier League, especially against a big sort of quick player. And the only thing I say there, the goal didn't, the goal didn't happen because Torres was just too tight there. There was a lot of play left in that move before it ended up in the back of the net. Um, yeah, I mean, yeah. Con- I've got to be honest, Conza's tracking was really, really poor. It was it was really poor when you look at it. Um, and I, I, I said, I said, I said to, um, I said to somebody sitting by me yesterday, I said, see, that's the difference, though. You see, if that's like if 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 sort of like Mings is 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 the partner rather than Conza. Mings sort of sweeps that up, and you know he gets back. There's no way the players in acres of space. Mings gets back and sweeps that up, and. I like Hansa, I do. I really do like him. I think he's been excellent for us. Um, but that, I thought he let himself down on that one. I thought it was really poor defending. And then Martinez obviously slips. And so you could say it was three errors in one, couldn't you really? Torres was too tight. Hansa just didn't trap back whatsoever. Um, and then Martinez slips and then it ends up at the back of the net. So it was a sort of a trio of errors really. But um, yeah, I think it's a bit, I think people digging out Torres um, entirely, uh, it, it's a little bit harsh because I think uh, he was he was a lot better yesterday. I thought he was a lot lot better, and I think there was a, there was a moment later on in the game when we were um, one or down, and uh, Conza got done again a little bit, um, and Torres just came in and sort of made a really yeah. important block, which which enabled Villa to sort of build and go again because if he hadn't have done, Palace were Palace were in again for number two, um, and so I thought he had a better game defensively yesterday. I, I genuinely did. That was probably the one thing he really got wrong. He, he got too tight, um, and I don't think he was helped out by his partner. If I'm being honest, and look that that partnership will evolve going forward. Obviously, Conza and Torres are fairly new to each other and the defence has changed around so much in the last few weeks. He's had, you know, Torres has had loads of different partners and Cons has been at right back, etc. So I think as time goes on, uh, I think those two will be the partnership and I think they will get uh, used to each other. But yeah, that goal didn't really cover us in glory, really. No, like you said, Eduardo was in a ridiculous amount of space. And I think, I'll say it's long blue in the face, but Torres, again, the plan wasn't for him to, to play no. this much football this in the season as well like every single game he will get better he will get stronger he will get more used to how Wesley Consta plays and the communication will improve there so it's not going to be perfect it's not going to be golden like this early on in the partnership and going forward it, it is going to get better of course it is it wasn't a great goal but I think I was a little bit concerned when that went in because we've already talked about how sort of pragmatic uh, Palace are and how they sit back and there's a little bit of a sort of taste of our own medicine in terms of the time wasting wasn't it I mean they were taking ages and everything the referee was mm. pointing to his watch um, a lot of the time, Johnston going down. That was <laughs> that was absolutely ridiculous in the second half, holding his leg from that uh, effort that came back off the post. But I think the substitution sort of fairly close, about 10 minutes after that goal, uh, the Palace goal, Bailey and Tillemans uh, coming on, Zaniolo and Kamara come off. It's a slightly surprised that Kamara comes off. I think Louise wasn't really having one of his better games, giving the ball away quite a bit. Kamara didn't look like he was that buzzing to come off, but... I mean, the I mean, in the end, those subs were absolutely spot on, weren't they? Bailey coming on to offer a little bit more pace. Tielemans, obviously, over the international break, has talked about how he wants to play more. Got his chance and did well in the end, I think, didn't he? Yeah, I, I think the subs were. I think the subs were absolutely spot on from memory, to be honest. And as we say, they changed the game essentially. Um, I, I think I think we struggled after the goal. But I think we were a little bit shell shocked at the start of the second half. We didn't expect that to happen. It was Palace's real first sort of attack, wasn't it, essentially? Um, and it ends up in the back of the net. And I think we were a little bit shell-shocked from that, to be honest. Um, I think I think we struggled as well a little bit. I think the crowd were getting a little bit frustrated because 
I know I know it's important that we stick to our philosophy. You know, we build from the back. We play fairly slowly to try and draw draw teams into us. And so it was important we stuck to our philosophy. But I've got to say, there was times in that second half when we were when when after Palace had scored when. For me, it felt like we were going a little bit too slow, though, and it felt like we did need to up, up it a little bit if we were going to get back into the game. And I mean, in the end, we got back into the game purely because of a moment of magic. If we're being honest, I mean, it was a bit of a bit of a hopeful ball in from Luca Dean. He was given a lot of space all afternoon, um, and obviously Duran just well, it was just a moment of magic, wasn't it? It was Benteke esque. It was just a, an absolutely incredible, incredible finish, and that, and I feel like. We, I feel like we needed that, and 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 some games you do need that. Sometimes, sometimes game plans go out the window, and I and I think kind of that's what happened yesterday. Like it probably wasn't as controlled as M, as as Emery usually likes it. Um, I, but I think in terms of the slow passing build up, I think that really works when you sort of one nil up at Villa Park. Um, mm. I'm not sure it works. I'm not sure it works that well when you one nil down. I think it's a bit of a challenge. It's a bit of a challenge that is because the other team's going to sit sit sit, uh, sit very deep. Um, and it's hard, it's going to be hard to break teams down if you if you you know doing that sort of real slow base possession. And so I know we got to sit to our philosophy, and, I, and we did do that. But I think the players kind of, and I, and I think having Bailey on help and Duran on help because they're quite quick direct players, especially Bailey. Like Bailey, Bailey is the type of player who who will run at the opposition kind of thing, especially at Villa Park. Um, and I think that helped. So. so uh, it was, you know, like I say, we stuck to the game plan somewhat, but I think we became a little bit more direct from the players' side of things. I think that really helped, and uh, yeah, it was just an absolute moment of magic from John Duran. But yeah, I think the subs overall were the right subs at that time. Zaniolo probably started to tire a little bit. Um, mm. Bailey, as we know, his numbers are very good at Villa Park, aren't they? Um, and so he was a he, he was a good option. Um, and John Duran, yeah, he. Uh, Look, he's really raw, isn't he? He's very young. He's raw. I think the one thing I say about him, though, I feel like he's matured a little bit, though. Like at the back end of last season, um, when we were bringing him on, he seemed a bit. He was he was desperate to impress, wasn't he? Absolutely desperate to impress. Um, and he was throwing himself into all sorts of things. Uh, I feel like he's calmed down a little bit. He feels like he's become a little bit more mature um, in the last in the last few months or so. Um, and yeah, just what a goal! It was absolutely incredible, wasn't it? It's a ridiculous goal. It is a ridiculous goal. And from where I sit in the upper hole as well, I mean, I, I recognised it was a ridiculously good goal at the time, but seeing it back, it, look, it looks so much better. The way he takes it down and absolutely lashes it. He takes it early as well. Like he takes it while the ball is still rising. So it kind of shocks Sam Johnston in the goal. I mean, it doesn't even go in the corner really, but mm. I think it's the ridiculous amount of power on it that just goes straight past the goalkeeper. And it is so, so Benteke-esque. I think the goal that sort of, replicates it the most from Benteke is that one against Norwich yeah. you know the sort of overhead kick one where again he takes it down on his chest and just lashes it in it's so good from John Duran and you're right though like he's got three for the season now in mm. all competitions and you, you can sort of notice little things that he's sort of getting better at and it's nice to see him sort of you can see that in front of you how much he is progressing in such a, a short period of time I'm not saying he's a finished article I'm not saying he should start over Watkins at all I'm really really not saying that but you can just start to notice little things I think even going back to the Liverpool game where he came on and made made a couple of wrong decisions taking a shot from uh, the wide left where it was completely the wrong decision and then again he gets the same chance a minute later and does the same and that, that side of John Duran is still going to be there of course it is where he makes that wrong decision or he's a bit rash but my god man there's a player in there and again he's only 19 so to have that option coming off the bench and to, for him to get involved and push players about take it down on his chest and just be that presence up top it's really encouraging isn't it yeah it is and I think he's a really good option to have you know like I absolutely love a sort of battering ram kind of striker I've always have done and I think um having that option is is you know is is is, is really really impressive and as as we say, look, he's raw. He's going to make mistakes. Of course, he's he's only nineteen. People people forget that he's so young. He's got something in him, hasn't he? He's definitely got something in him and some fine tuning over the next three years or so at Villa. And he, he genuinely could be a really really good player, couldn't he? I mean, we're finishing like that. There's there's no reason why why he wouldn't. The one thing I say about him as well, he tends to get into good positions. I, I find that with him. I I think I think that's the one thing I've been majorly impressed with, like that position he took up on like in. On, on the sort of edge of the area, just inside the area, like he just tends to take up decent positions. The goal against Hibbs as well was 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 another example. Um, so for someone so young, I do think he takes really good positions on the football pitch, and that's always going to help him, you know, score goals, isn't it? But yeah, I was impressed with Duran. I really was. I uh, he added he added something really really different for us, and 
it was uh, you know it was his moment of magic essentially, which I think got us the win. I know we didn't get the winner, but without that bit of moment of magic, I mean, we felt like we were just sort of you know shooting at shooting at the door all day, and we weren't going to score. But it took that absolute one moment of magic, which sometimes you need. You know, it doesn't always go your way in terms of your tactics. It doesn't always go your way um, in front of goal, um, and that was that was the. And, and and that was the catalyst to Palace sort of crumbling, really, wasn't it? And Villa Villa going on to get the three points. So yeah, really pleased with John Duran. Big shout out. I think he'll be a really vital tool for Villa this season. With all the matches we've got, as we've already discussed previously, I think he'll be a really good tool for Villa. Yeah, very encouraging indeed. And I think I mean I've got my opinions on this, and I think I'm going to know what you're going to say here. But Duran versus Watkins, people were saying it. You've got to start Duran. You've got to start Duran. Watkins has looked a little bit off it, but. You've still got to start Ollie Watkins for me. I mean, even take the game against Palace. People are looking at it and think again it's another disappointing one, but still got involved and he hit the woodwork. He won the penalty. He's always in the right positions. Once he gets that first goal, we know what he's like. He go on a run, but you've still got to go with Watkins going forward. Absolutely, I think Duran is at the moment, especially coming off the bench when he's fresh towards you know the latter stages of a game. Look at Palace; they were they were tiring a little bit. I think that's what you want. I think you've still got to go with Watkins going forward. Absolutely. Oh, of course you have. I mean, it's the unseen stuff that Watkins does that. That you know, people don't really talk about. Look, all strikers go through goal droughts. That's what Watkins is going through at the moment. He needs a goal desperately. Um, you know, we know he's got a tendency if he if he has too much time, he can fluff his lines. We know he's a bit more instinctive. Like that shot in the second half was kind of an instinctive shot, which he which he was he was unlucky not to score from when it hit the bar. Um, yeah, look, we all know what Ollie Watkins Ollie Watkins is, but um, I think as soon as he gets that goal, he'll be he'll be on a, a hot hot streak sort of thing and I don't I wouldn't want to put too much pressure on Duran's shoulders to be honest being our main man at the moment no. I don't think that'd be right Um I think and I'm sure Emery feels exactly the same way I think Ollie Watkins is our number nine and he, and he, and he will be moving he will be moving forward Um and I think he will be until the day that Villa until the day that Villa decide look we've outgrown Ollie Watkins whatever he will be our number nine until then and we know he'll score goals we do know that and I just think it's you know, it's kind of like an in the manager we trust kind of thing, isn't it? Really, I mean, I, I don't really think we we want to to, to to question that. We know he scores goals when he's on a you know a, a, a run of form, and and he'll get there. He will get there. Look, he's had a tough start to the season, um, but no doubt once he gets that one, two, three, four will follow sort of thing. Yeah, absolutely. I think the time to start panicking with Ollie Watkins would be when he doesn't get involved. He doesn't get many touches yeah. of the ball. He's not having chances. He's not hitting the bar. He's not getting assists. We talk about his assists. He loves an assist, so he's always involved, of course. It's not like Villa as a team have struggled to go score goals this season. We absolutely haven't. We've scored plenty. So it's it's not an issue at all. It's no. definitely not an issue. And I fancy him to get a goal relatively soon. I was saying at the start of the Palace game, I really want Ollie Watkins to score. Me and you both love him. I just can't wait for him to get that goal because I think it'll be one of them where you'll just see the relief on his face. And then again, it probably opens the sort of catalogue to get more. But uh, yeah, we'll see on that one. We'll get into the penalty then. Um, as soon as I saw, as soon as I saw it in the stands, I thought, no way. Like, I didn't even celebrate when the ref gave it. From where I am, right behind it, I was like, absolutely no way. He's got a touch on the ball there. So uh, when he went to the screen and he was there for so long, the longer it goes on, you're sort of thinking he's going to go with his original decision here. I mean, normally when they go to the screen, they change their mind, but it was so clear to me that the defender Richards won the ball. I thought. Well, if that was true, then he would have seen that once or twice and changed his mind. But the longer he sort of stood there, and he was stood there a bloody long time, mm. by the way, I thought he was going to go for this. And fair play, he gave it. And looking back on it, I still can't... Re- I think it is a penalty because I think he goes through Watkins and then wins the ball, which, of course, would mean it's a penalty. It's it's hard to tell. I think maybe it's a different story if it, if it gets given the other way and I've got a different opinion. But with my Villa goggles on... I think it is because he gets Watkins first and then the ball. Do you know what? I think when it happened, I was the same as you. I thought he'd got the ball. I mean, I'm sitting a long way away, so I can't see from there. But I did think that he'd uh, the defender had got the ball. I've got a slightly different theory on it after watching it numerous times. And I haven't heard anyone actually talk about this theory. But I thought about it. And I actually think this is possibly what the referee was thinking. So I think when you look at the replay, when you slow it down, I actually think the defender got... got um, he got the first touch on the ball, if I'm being honest. I think he did. I think he won the ball. However, he didn't get much on it, though, if you look at it. And the ball sort of shifted very, very slightly to to, to the left. But the ball was still in Ollie Watkins' path. And so without mm-hmm. without without then him taking Watkins out, Watkins gets a shot, out, a shot, shot on goal. And so the, my theory is that the referee 
um, what the referee saw. Yeah, he got a, he got he got a slight nick on the ball, but um, but it, it wasn't enough of a nick on the ball to take the ball away from Watkins. It was still in his path. He was still going to get a shot away, and then he followed through and chopped Watkins down. And so the first one might not have been a foul, but the second one was. And I and I kind of feel like that that might be why he he stuck with his original decision when when he went to the monitor to, to look at it. I feel like that's that, that that that's possibly why. If you do look at it, it does get. It, I'm sure he gets the first touch on the ball, the defender. I'm sure he does. But like I say, it doesn't. The ball don't move very far though, and it's still in his path. Um, and I, and you can't you can't just say oh just because he's he's got a slight nick on the ball that's it he's won it and that's the move over because the move wouldn't have been over. The move, Ollie Watkins would still have got a shot away from it. Um, and so that's my theory. That is my theory. And I think I think the referee made the right call. Um, he was sent to the monitor, and I mean, it's ridiculous how long it takes. It's absolutely ridiculous how long it takes. I mean, it, it took a good, it took a good like because I'm sure, I'm sure when when he gave that original decision, it was like there was 93 minutes on the clock, and by the time he made the decision that with Villa had actually got the penalty in the end, it was like 98. Um, so it was a long, long time. Well, um, I, I can confirm it because I mean, on my camera, the clip when if when, the, when so I was recording obviously when the penalty gets given, and I was recording for the whole time when the referee was on the monitor. Yeah. And as soon as the referee points to the spot, I looked on my camera and it said five and a half minutes. So, and I, do you know what? I respect the referee for for going for his original decision when it's so tight. And I mean, we've talked about it there in such detail about little touches on the ball, mm-hmm. but. If you've got to go with your original decision. And I respect that from the referee because it's so often that when they go to the screen, you know exactly what's coming. They're going to change their mind. Of course they are because they've been sent there by their mates up in the referee's room because apparently they've got it wrong. But I respect the referee for going for it. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, it took a blooming long time, didn't it? And it, it was a silly amount of time. I can, just, I can just imagine the things that the other people, was, the, the, the VAR and the assistant VAR were saying to him though. And that's probably why it took so long because as I was just saying, I think people look at it far too sort of black and white Far too, oh, he's got he's got a touch on the ball. It's definitely not a penalty. Well, yeah, but you're not thinking about what happens after that, though. Like it doesn't it doesn't that doesn't mean anything, though. It literally doesn't mean anything. Just just because you've got a slight nick on the ball and then you chop the player down afterwards, it doesn't mean that that's it. That's the end of the move. Oh, off we go. Do you know that's not how it works. Um, he's wiped Watkins out, hasn't he? He's absolutely wiped him yeah, out. Look, if he'd got a clean if he'd got a clean foot on the ball and the ball had moved like really far. You'd have thought, oh, fair enough. It's 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 a, it's a good tackle. He's won the ball, and I won't be. I think I think I think the touch after he wipes Watkins out is enough. I think that would be enough if he got that in the first place. But I think that touch was was big enough. But it was after he wiped yeah, yeah, Watkins yeah. out. Yeah, that's, that's what I mean. It, that's what I mean. There was multiple touches, but that first touch he had was really faint. Mm. It was so small that it didn't take it out of Watkins's path. Which so to me, then the foul occurs. The foul occurs after that when he when he wipes Watkins out. That, that, that's when the yeah. foul occurs for me. And so I think the referee made the right decision. I, I thought he. Um, I think fair play to him. I thought he. Uh, I thought I thought he had a real sort of pair of balls to, to do that, to be honest, because the easy thing mm-hmm. is to grow over to that monitor and just agree with what your mates are saying in, in, in the VAR uh, room. Um, and so for him to say, you know what, like, he, and he what, you know, I know it took ages, but and he, you know, he watched it so many times. You could see his hand, couldn't you? Like he was, he was saying, yeah, but what about this bit here? And that's why I don't think it was as, so I don't, they couldn't have just been talking about. Do you think it's? A, do you think uh, he got the ball, or do you not think he got the ball? It must have been more mm. technical than that. It had, it had to have been because you know he was using his hand to gesture constantly, and it took that long. It must have been talking about it really in depth. Um, I hope it's on that show that Harold Webb does. I really do because I've yes. obviously look. Obviously, Harold Webb's going to absolutely really praise the referee for that decision. Which, but but to be fair, I think he does deserve praise for it. And I sit I sit on here talking about referees every week and saying how bad they are. I know I do. Um, and I know it's easy for me to say because Villa have got the decision this time. I, I get that. So it might seem like I'm being a bit biased, but I genuinely think the referee deserves a lot of credit for it this time because mm. um, he had he had the balls to sort of say, do you know what? I think I was right first time around. Yeah, it's refreshing. I mean, I just said it, going to the monitor and sticking with the decision. I, I can't remember the last time I saw that, especially in Villa game. I can't really remember that. So I respect it. Good on the referee. And like you said, I'd love to see the sort of, um, analysis from Howard Webb and sort of hear what everyone was saying to each other because like I said it was a long time so I want to hear what the conversation was there that'd be interesting but uh, Douglas Luiz steps up the new penalty taker 
I say never in doubt, but bloody hell, I was absolutely cacking myself in the whole end. Honestly, I've never been, I've never been so nervous for like a penalty. Like I was said to Jamie on the way out, we don't score enough sort of last minute winners, do we? So I was thinking this is too good to be true. This is, I mean, we haven't been great all day, but just to step up and slot that away, 98th minute, absolutely unbelievable. And Owen and Jamie's predictions before the game, so many people commented it on the, on the video. Jamie says 3-1, always gets his prediction right. And Owen called a Douglas Louise penalty. Mm. So put them together, you've got the uh, absolute spot on outcome. But that penalty, unbelievable. Sent the goalkeeper the wrong way. Happy days. Yeah, Louise was the coolest man inside Villa Park, wasn't he? And uh, you look at you look at his penalty taking, and you think, God, why wasn't he on penalties sooner? Isn't it? It's like it's mm. mad, isn't it? Because he's such, such a good striker of the ball, and he's so calm. Yeah. And it's exactly what you want, isn't it? And um, yeah, he was the calmest man inside Villa Park, and uh, and yeah, he becomes the first player since Gareth Barry to score in four consecutive home games for Villa, which is uh, yeah, which is a kind of a, another mad stat, really, another record sort of. Sort of broken, which uh, which is mad, but yeah, yeah, he's the he's the perfect person you want stepping up to to, to the penalty. But I think I think the one thing I was going to say as well um, it was was about Tielemans as well. I think we're, obviously Tielemans came on, and I think I think he had a little. I think he was he was a bit sloppy for the first ten minutes when he came on, but um, but yeah, like he's threaded ball through to Watkins to to win that penalty was was I don't was was a ball which I don't think any of the other players on the pitch would have, would have seen or would have would have attempted. I kind of feel like mm. how we've got Buendia missing at the moment um, and Ramsey, but especially Buendia, I think that takes away a lot. I think Buendia tries a lot of those sort of through balls, those threaded yeah. passes. A lot of the other players in our team don't really do that. And so Tielemans came on and he was a bit rusty, wasn't he? He hasn't had a lot of football. He's a bit rusty. Um, but he just picked out, he picked that pass was absolutely sublime. Um, and it's essentially what won us the the penalty, you know, to get us into that position. It was, you know, it was a bit of a risky pass, I suppose. It would have been easier for him to just pass it sideways again, but, you know, he took a risk and you had to take a risk at that point because we were trying to win the game. Um, so, big shows out to Tielemans. I thought that was really, really class from him. Yeah, absolutely. And it's him that plays the ball to Diaby, isn't it, for the third? Like, he could have easily just passed that back, sort of relax a little bit, just keep hold of the ball, 2-1 up with a few minutes to go, just just relax a little bit. Plays it to Diaby, who ends up in loads and loads of space. Diaby gets his head up, picks out Leon Bailey. Leon Bailey takes a touch, by the way, and at that point I'm thinking, good God, the chance has gone here. There's, the defenders are back. From Obviously, looking back on it, absolutely not. He was always going to score. But it's just absolute scenes. And I celebrated that third one more than the, the penalty. It was just... A sort of mix of relief and just jubilation and the three points in the bag. It was sort of similar to the Sheffield Wednesday away game, wasn't it? In the yeah. um, 10 game run when Adoma and Abraham scored. You score that last minute winner, you're still sort of celebrating, still chanting. And then, oh God, you threw on goal again and you wrap it up. And just to sort of get those three points in your hand in that one split moment, it was it was so good, wasn't it? That moment right there when Bailey smashed it in. Class. Yeah, and that goal was a lovely goal as well. Like you, you see it from like back to front. Like Luca Dean wins the ball back really well, um, and then obviously he gets fed into Tielemans and Diaby's just full of run, and he was just on his bike straight away, wasn't he? Um, Tielemans perfectly weighted ball, um, and then Diaby just. Oh, it just, I, it just surprises me how direct he is. It just surprised me how like he had, he knew what he was going to do. He just absolutely knew what he was going to do. And he we got could have gone to the corner flag, yeah, him, easily. But you could just see it right. This is what I'm going to do. I'm going to get there as fast as I possibly can. I'm going to score it. And that's literally was in his in his mind straight away. Not selfish mm. whatsoever. Just takes takes the ball down absolutely perfectly. Speed run into the box. Looked up. There's Bailey. Easy pass to him. Um, and then Bailey with a really, really nice finish. And I like the way them two link up, you know. I really do. I think they've got yeah. a connection, them two, Bailey and uh, Diaby. We've still got work to do on Bailey away from home. We all know that. Um, but at Villa Park, he's like a different animal, isn't he? It's so weird. It's mm. it's really, really strange. He's like, if you could, if you could like get him to be playing even half how he does at home, away from home, We'd have a real, real top player on our hands with Bailey, wouldn't we? It's, it's weird. Whoever, whoever really sort of makes that, you know, makes that work away from home will be the best sort of tactician in the world, like working with him because. <laughs> It's weird. It's really strange how good he is at Villa Park compared to away. But yeah, I like the connection them two have got. I thought that was um, yeah a, a really really nice goal. And I think you're right. It was it was a sense of relief. Um, but I think yeah, every, everyone celebrated that one even more than more than the penalty. And um, oh, but yeah. I think do you know what I think Villa deserved it. They like people talk about the late show and talk about how it was a bit smash and grab. I think. It wasn't. It wasn't at all. I mean, the amount of ball we had that in the in the game, the amount of chances we had, especially okay, especially first half. I mean, second half, I thought we weren't. I didn't think we were a brilliant second half. I thought we were quite sloppy. We struggled to get into the game after after we conceded a goal until the moment of magic from Duran. We know that, 
But I still think on the overall play of the game, Villa Villa absolutely deserve deserve to win that game. And yeah, it was on a moment of magic, and then we sort of had the sort of momentum behind us. Then didn't we to get that third? Yeah, you can't play teams off the park every single week. No. You? you're not going to blitz teams every week. I mean, the 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 record at Villa Park is a joke, isn't it? I think it's ten wins in all competition, nine in the Premier League. I mean, I've never said this before ever following Villa, but Villa Park now is a fortress, isn't it? It's it's so good. Teams are going to fear coming to Villa Park, and that is such a good feeling. Honestly, you fancy us. I mean, you fancy us against anyone anywhere, but especially at Villa Park, having that. Sort Sort of record and everything behind it it's it's absolutely top class isn't it yeah but i just think you've always got a chance though you've always got a chance when you've got a manager who is willing to adapt all the time though and i, and I, I said this on the i know i said it on the last podcast about how it's incredible to have a manager who makes those in-game changes and does things mm-hmm. that none of us see i mean if you look at how villa set up yesterday again was not a way that any of us would have expected i mean if you analyze it you look at where the the, the players' positions. I mean, a lot of the time, we, we talk about how Cash and Dina had a lot of the ball yesterday, and that's what was really interesting for me watching it because usually it's one of the fullbacks who bombs on, isn't it? But yesterday it was both of them. And the reason yes. why that happened yeah. was because Kamara dropped back into like a back three. So we had uh, obviously Torres on the left hand side, Conza in the middle. And Kamara was playing like the right hand side of the centre of, 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 of centre half a lot of the game. Maybe maybe it's why Kamara probably didn't have the best of games as people remember. Um, you know, compared to compared to the other games that that that, that, he, that he's been exemplary in, um, especially like last season. Um, but it just shows you again. Emery's obviously watched Palace and thought, right, this is how we can hurt them. This is how we need to adapt. And it's just something we haven't seen again. And then obviously towards the end of the game, we. Again, changed totally again. We put two up top with Duran and Watkins, which we haven't seen a very long time. And then we were having we had Diaby on the left then, which I don't think we've seen Diaby on the left at all yet, have we? And obviously mm. it, it, it worked because obviously Diaby made that made that final goal. And so you've always got it you've always got a chance, haven't you? It, it did feel like one of them days just though when it was gonna when it was gonna get get away from us. But just have faith in these players. I really just have faith in these players under this manager that you're gonna create these these moments of magic, and you're gonna you're gonna pull something out of the bag. And as you just said, that home record is absolutely exemplary. And being a Villa fan, I mean, even since I started watching Villa, I don't remember us being. Well, we haven't we haven't been as strong at home in in in, in my lifetime and un, under any manager. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, you do. There's like an air of sort of optimism, an air of expectation when you come to Villa Park, and you think, yeah, you know, we can hurt teams. It doesn't matter who comes. You think we can hurt teams. Um, it's just so so nice to see. I mean, ten ten in a row is just absolutely incredible, isn't it? Yeah, and we've scored in every game. I think under Unai Emery at yeah. home, which again is is you always find it's like when when are we going to score? When is it going to happen? I mean, I mean, maybe not yesterday, but just overall, you just you just know we're going to score, and it's a matter of when, isn't it? And I think Unai Emery is so fast to sort of recognise and make changes. I mean, after the Palace goal, he brought on Leon Bailey. Cash sort of relaxed going forward as, as much and Luca Dean was given that licence more as well. I know he was given the licence out the whole game, but Bailey was that one on the right-hand side, wasn't yeah. he? And then two up top comes along and then if you see the clip of um, Unai Emery, as soon, as soon as the penalty goes in, points at Dendonka, get yeah. up. Then yeah. Donker comes on to sort of see the game out a little bit. He's not celebrate. I mean, he celebrated for half a second and then he went straight over to Den Donker. The guy is just a joke. And it was the, the substitutions and sort of changes in play and two up top that, again, won us the game yesterday. And it's just it's just great. I love it. And me and you are going to rave till we're blue in the face about how much we love Unai Emery. But it's you just always fancy You always know there's a plan. There's something that you can shift around. It's not always going to work, but it's always there, isn't it? There's always a possibility. And yesterday, on. Yeah, absolutely. Look, it's not always going to work. Look, we're going to have we're going to lose games. Like you know, we lost at Newcastle, we lost at Liverpool, and I was a little bit critical at times of of how we we tried to go toe to toe with them clubs, and we were a little bit naive. And I think there's things to work on. I think there's obviously things to you not look. We're we, we, we Villa. We finished seventh last season. If there weren't things to work on, we'd be winning the league. Like Man, we'd be like a machine, like Man City. Um, mm. We're not that. We we know we're not that. Um, but. I just think to have a manager who who can recognise where we need to make changes and can recognise where okay we needed a bit of a different game plan today against Crystal Palace than what we would have if we're playing against a Brighton for instance or a, a Bournemouth whatever. Um, I think to have a manager who can do that, it sounds like it sounds like some, it's something that's so basic, but it's not because we've had a lot of managers in the past who have never been able to do that. It's always been the same old, hasn't it? It's always been the you know the same old substitutions, the same keep keep exactly the same formation, no matter even if we're losing five on the spin sort of thing. And um, 
Unai Emery's booked the trend with that, and it, and it and it's because he's such a good top level manager, and also like a, you know he surrounds himself with real top class coaches. I mean, I think that goes under the radar sometimes, but like he's he's flanked by people who have also won you know Europa leagues with him, sort of thing in terms of his first team coach. But then he's got his assistant manager who uh, that Paco Iesteran, who was the assistant coach to Rafa Benitez at Liverpool when they won Champions Leagues. I mean. That experience is absolutely vital, isn't it? And so it's not all about Emery; it's about all the staff that are around him. But um, mm. I just, I just think the work they're doing with the players, I, just, I, I really do. I, I could, I could sit here and talk uh, for a long time about how how good Unai Emery's Villa are. I think there's things, I think there's things for us to work out, and um, you know, we're still talking about. We have still got some defensive frailties, which I kind of said to you on the last podcast. I think we're going to have to ride the storm a little bit with that one. I think it might take a little bit of time for us to for us to become really solid again because I think the Ming. I, think, I keep saying it, but the Ming's injury really, really halted us, and especially when you think about the offside trap we're trying to play. Ming's was massive in terms of that. In terms of that high line, he was huge, and so. It's going to take. I think it's going to take time to adapt a little bit, um, but I've got full faith that it will adapt. And I, I think if Villa can sort of, if you look at Villa's run, it's not too bad up until sort of November, December time. And I think if Villa can sort of keep pace up there in that sort of top seven, top eight, which is where we're sort of aiming for again, um, I think we've got a chance. I think I think the, the defense will have got better by then. I think it already looks. I think it already looked better yesterday anyway from what it has done previously. And so the signs are already there. I think. I think it might take a little bit of time, but um, yeah, I'm really, really pleased with what's with what's happening. I just uh, I got full confidence in the team and the manager that they're going to pull a result out. And um, yeah, like I say, we've got some stuff to sort out. I think when we go away from home, we need to work out how we're going to sort of grind victories out a little bit better. I, I do think we're maybe a little bit naive away from home. Uh, maybe we need to adapt a little bit away, but the manager will know that and that's why you know we've got full full faith in, in what we're doing yeah i mean we talked about it previously didn't we about sort of this run up to sort of christmas time he's he's going to be you're going to have ups and downs of course you are but you talked about that run that we've got coming up we've, we're going to poland in the week which we'll talk about in a second we've got chelsea who weren't great i watched them earlier against bournemouth and and they were pretty absolutely nothing like pretty pretty poor you got everton in the cup after that brighton at home which is going to be a tough game another european game against the bosnians walls away which we will inevitably lose uh west ham another european game luton and then forest so there's points in there there absolutely is that there really really is like i said next week against chelsea on paper you think oh tough game but you fancy us to go there don't you we won there uh, was it april last time we went there you just fancy us don't you and i just think yes there's, there's going to be downs there's going to be ups whatever it's going to be a bit of a roller coaster because we've seen it the two away games we've had so far against sides that you're going to fancy it's going to be difficult we have been blown away and we have been dominated in, in certain times but i don't know it's encouraging anyway but next next game next challenge is in poland isn't it mate first competitive european game that i've ever been to we're off to warsaw wednesday night game on the thursday come back early on the friday Absolutely buzzing. So, so excited for this. Yeah, it's what we've been waiting for, isn't it? It's what we've been waiting for for a while. So, yeah, this week's going to be, yeah, it's going to be really good. And, um, yeah, quite a few of us going out, 1,700 Villa fans heading out, have heading out to Poland. Mm. And, yeah, just seeing all the plans where the Villa fans are going to be and stuff, it just sounds, uh, just sounds like it's going to be like a really, really amazing trip. And, yeah, let's hope it's, uh, let's hope we get a win out there because, yeah, it start off well. Obviously, we want to win the group, don't we? It's not all about just us having having a yeah. bit of fun out there. We we want to go out and there and win the group. It'll be so much easier for us if we if we can do that. And so we probably start off with one of our toughest games. Um, obviously, the, yeah, the, yeah. the 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 two away games, our first two away games, are probably going to be the the toughest ones, aren't they? Warsaw and and Aza Delmar. So yeah, it'd be nice to start off in a positive fashion. I wouldn't expect that many changes, to be honest. There might be a couple, uh, but I wouldn't expect that many changes. I think we'll go really strong and uh, and we'll try and and we'll try and get that win. I think we'll try and win the game in the first sort of hour again, if I'm being honest. And I think we'll try and try and maybe rotate a few players for the last sort of half an hour, sort of thing. I think that's what the manager's plan would be. Um, be a tough game because obviously Warsaw are top of their league in Poland, um, as as Altmar are are in, um, in 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 Holland. So. Um, yeah, it'll be it'll be a, I think it'll be a tough game. Uh, looking forward to seeing what the atmosphere is all about. But yeah, buzzing to go out there. I can't wait. Yeah, I'm sure the atmosphere will be absolutely top notch. Sort of obviously the first home European game for uh, Ligia Warsaw. I'm sure they'll put on some sort of show. But I'm just excited for the experience out there. Sort of how how we're going to be treated as as fans, English fans going over to not great probably. No, I mean we won't be treated. We probably as English supporters going out there we probably won't be treated greatly. I wouldn't have thought because. 
I don't know, it doesn't seem like British sports ever hard uh, when, when, when they go away in Europe, but nah, it'll, be, it'll be interesting to see. I know what you mean. Yeah, I mean, we, we've we already said to each other, we're, we're going to go in plain clothes. We're not going to make a nuisance of ourselves. Not that we would anyway, but we're not going to take our flags. We're going to sort of maybe find a, a nice little location to have a couple of drinks, maybe see where the majority of Villa fans are later on in the day, sort of check out the vibe and sort of how we're treated and things. Just sort of see what's going on, sort of have a little bit of a feel. I think we're getting buses to the stadium as well from the sort of city centre. Um, and I think we're being held in the stadium in the away end after. So that'll be uh, something new. Uh, that, that, that's what I'm excited for, though. It's something new, isn't it? And we do, we've done all these pre-season games. We've been to France, Germany, Spain, America, Dubai. We've done the international games following Villa. But for it to be a competitive one and for it to have something on the line, because you're right, we do have to win the group. Even if we come second, you've got an extra game in there, which again, we're not going to want. So just have something on the line and just have that atmosphere in the way. And like you said, 1700 Villa going over there, it's going to be top class. And even you going out with your brothers, mate, that's going to be a great experience for you, isn't it? How, how class is that going out there with, with your brothers? That's just going to be top class. Yeah, it's, you know, it's really weird because um, the, last time, the last time me and my brothers went to... Uh, a European Villa away day was Hamburg, which was back in 2008. Uh, so it's really, really weird. That was the last time. And now, yeah, 15 years later, 15, whatever, 15 seasons later, whatever it is, um, here we are after Warsaw. And yeah, so my, my, my two brothers managed to get a ticket. They, they were on the sort of season ticket um, holders window. So it was a little... Had to be quick. Yeah, had to be very quick. They sold out within literally about a minute and a half on Thursday night for season ticket <laughs> holders. But yeah, managed to get my brothers uh, a ticket, which I was absolutely buzzing about. And they're having to do some weird and wonderful trip where they're flying to flying to Poznan <laughs> on very early Thursday morning and um and then getting a train from Poznan to Warsaw I mean they they they, they start their journey it sounds ridiculous they leave Birmingham on uh, Thursday morning at like one o'clock in the morning to get to Luton to then fly Ooh. to Poznan they don't arrive into Warsaw until about two o'clock in the afternoon uh so it's a very <laughs> long trip but um, so anyway, it's one of them though it's like this doesn't happen very often it's what I keep saying to people mm. this doesn't happen very often like I said the last time the last time I did it was when, when like I said when I went to Hamburg in 2008 um, so I was still at school at the time so that says it all so it's a long <laughs> you know what I mean it's a long time to wait and I know yeah. Villa have been through the mill since then we got relegated and stuff and back up and that doesn't happen to most clubs but yeah you don't know when it's going to happen again that's what I'd say you don't know when it's going to happen again and so take the, oppor- take the opportunity when it comes and so yeah, I'm buzzing. I'm buzzing for it. And you know, I'm really buzzing it went to season ticket holders in a way as well. I'm really buzzing that people who who might not have had the chance before have have got that chance as well. Because honestly, it's following Villa in Europe. Following Villa abroad, even in friendlies, is incredible. But following Villa in Europe abroad is just yeah, mental. It's absolutely brilliant. Yeah, I think 500 or so tickets went to, to season ticket holders, mm. which, like you said, is great, giving those people an opportunity. And it's just the experience out there. I'm planning a bit of a bumper Villa on Tour episode, sort of pushing that 20-minute mark to really, really get that sort of European away trip experience over on YouTube. So if you're not going to the game, look forward to that um, because I'm going to try and replicate on YouTube what it's going to be like to be there. So it's, it's, it's going to be absolutely top class. Um, really, really looking forward to that. So do subscribe to Villa on Tour to not miss that episode. If you have enjoyed this podcast, please do subscribe on whatever you are listening on to never miss an episode as well we're looking forward to jumping back here and talking about our experience in poland so make sure you don't miss that one and until then up the villa Mm